Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. One of the classic songs of yesterday uh, was written by a guy by the name of Harry Chafin. And uh, you'll know this song and you'll know the lyrics. And to, uh, to benefit you, I will not sing it. I will only quote the lyrics today. I'll leave the singing up to Nick. But this song is so powerful, I want you to think about this. The lyrics read, my child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And as he grew, he say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. The chorus sings, the cat's in the cradle, silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? He goes, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And it said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, I'm going to be like him. Well, he came home from college just the other day, so much like a man, I had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? Cats in the cradle, silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. Well, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you, if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu, but it's been nice talking to you. It's been nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he had grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. I want you to think about that. It's a very tragic song. The lyrics are heartbreaking when you think about it. But this little boy wanted to be like his dad. This little boy loved his dad, admired his dad, respected his dad, but dad just didn't have any time for him. But the tragedy of the song is he ended up becoming like his dad, but his dad was a terrible model, if you will, to follow. And that may be you. You may have grown up in a situation where your earthly dad was absent. Your earthly dad didn't have time for you. You felt like you were an inconvenience even as you grew up. Or the tragedy may be that might be how you are today. You've got time for a lot of other things, but you don't have time for the relationships that matter the most. Here's the good news, and I promise you it is good news. Our Father in heaven always has time for us, and our Father in heaven is available to us right now. And our Father in heaven calls us to imitate him to be just like 
him. Ephesians 5 says, therefore, starting in verse 1, therefore, again, anytime you read the word therefore, you always ask, what is it there for? And if you go back and read the previous passage, it's like, hey, be compassionate, be loving, be kind, be forgiving like your heavenly Father is. That's the way God wants you to live life. Therefore, imitate God. Imitate God in everything you do. Imitate God because you are his children. Walk and live a life that is filled and flooded with love following the example of Christ. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, I want you to underline and highlight that phrase right there, following the example of Christ. Following the example of Christ. What do we know about Christ? He walked pure. He walked holy. He walked righteous. He walked in the truth. And and the invitation or the challenge that Paul is urging us with is this, live in such a way that others will know that you belong to Jesus. That's the emphasis. You are unique. You are a masterpiece, a -a one-of-a-kind piece of art, poetry that the world has never seen. And I believe deep down inside, the deeper aspiration of our life for each and every one of us should be, we should desire to be so much like Jesus that when others see us, that would become their desire. Following the example of Christ, imitating God. So this is a call to return to what we were originally meant to be. If you go back and study the Genesis narrative, when God created Adam and Eve in his image, they were walking with holiness and purity and walking in truth. But when sin entered the equation, it distorted and disrupted humanity at every level. And so we were born into the world dead in our sins based on what we've studied in Ephesians 2. But when we come to faith in Christ, and the whole emphasis is our identity branded in Christ. And because of who we are now in Christ, the image is restored And we can walk out what we were originally intended to be. That's what God's heart for us is, that we would walk in holiness and purity and truth. Even the scripture we read in verse 24 of chapter 4 says, put on the new Christ, put on the new self, put on the new you, put on the newness of who you are in Christ. Clothe yourself with the likeness of God. You've been created now in Christ Jesus to walk, to live righteous, holy, pure, sanctified. That is the call. That that is the manifestation that we belong to God. Not that we walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, or occasionally attend church. That's not an indicator that you're a child of God. Now, I want you to get this. The Greek word for imitate is the word mimetai. And it's where we get our English word mimic from. Mimic. Mimic. That's the word that is used here. As Christ followers, we're called to mimic God. We're called to mimic Jesus. That should be the indicator to others. Hey, 
Nick Slade belongs to Jesus because he mimics the characteristics of God. He, he reflects God. Kenny, that should be the aspiration of each and every one of us. So what would that look like? We live like, we, we give like, we act like, we talk like. Oh, you, 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 you belong to God. And so when Paul gets here, by the time we get to chapter 5, he's like, hey, mimic God, imitate God, reflect God, walk like God walks. You go, that's impossible, Jimmy. It's not. Because now the hope of the gospel is Christ is in you, and you're in Christ, and God has poured out, dumped out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost for every believer to be filled completely with the Lord. I want you to think about this. And here's going to be the shift this morning. Amy, this is so crucial for me. I want you to think about this. Serve, follow, love, give. Those are the biblical terms and biblical mandates. Here's something interesting. Over the last 40 plus years, there's so much emphasis in our culture, and so much emphasis has leaked from the secular even into the church, and there's so much emphasis today on leadership. Leadership. There's seminars, there's conferences. You can even get a college degree today on leadership. I started thinking about this. When when did this become such a buzz word in our culture? If you go back and study, and Rick, I find this fascinating, that Webster's 1828 dictionary does not even include the word leadership in it. You go back 200 years and the word leadership is not even found. It's not even defined. And Webster's 1828 is one of the strongest ones that you'll study from. But when did it become such a buzzword? And when did the conversation shift that so much focus was placed on leadership? When did it become so embraced in our culture? And when you think of leadership, what is being emphasized and who is the focus on? Who's it on? Who's being recognized? Who's being adored? Who, who, who's it on? Warren Bennis is regarded in this day as being the mastermind, if you will, or one of the most critical thinkers when it comes to the topic of leadership. He began to write about this topic in the 1950s. It was a back road, country bumpkin road with no traffic whatsoever when he began to write about it. When he died in 2014, it has become an expressway of conversation with it all these elite personalities and shelves are filled with books on leadership. What happened? What's the focus on? Who's being adored? Who's being applauded? Leadership. The gospel narrative is all about fellowship. Humility, serving, being emptied, being crushed, being a nobody. That's the gospel 
emphasis. And, and for so many today, and Nick and I have dealt with this with people in the music space, and we have dealt with it. Uh, Rick and I have had these conversations with young kids, uh, even in this so-called uh, desire to speak and be in front of a crowd space. So, so many people, these young people, are looking at what they think to be these celebrity Christians, and they're wanting to be a celebrity Christian. And it breaks my heart because that's the culture in which we live. There's so much emphasis on personality, on a man. Even the psalmist would say it's better to trust in God than it is to put confidence in Man, and so many even in the church space today are elevating man, recognizing methods, but never embracing the master. Jesus himself is calling the shots. Now, even the word leadership, it was derived from a Latin word called letho, which means to cause one to go in the way or journey. So when you think about leadership, and you think about personalities being applauded or elevated, it, a lot of times it, it's all about that leader trying to get another person to go in their way or to experience their journey. It doesn't work. You're his masterpiece. You're a one-of-a-kind piece of art. You're an original. God created you an original. He doesn't want you to die a copy of anyone else. He wants you to mimic him. Now, here's something I would highly encourage you to write down. In the secular world, in the secular world, man is appointed to lead. In Jesus' economy, Dave, man is anointed to serve. The culture in which we live, man loves to appoint. You're going to be a leader. And oftentimes we go back to the old Israeli mindset of 1 Samuel when they said, we want to have an earthly king like all these other nations. We want a man to lead us. And they even said that to Moses. Moses, we would rather you speak, not God. We, 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 we would prefer a man. And so what did God do? He said, then who, who do you want to be your ringleader? And they brought Saul, who was tall and dark and handsome, and he was kind of a GQ, if you will, looking dude. But he failed. He disrupted. God raised up a young shepherd boy by the name of David, where man appointed Saul, God anointed David. And again, think about this. The world will appoint. The world will elevate. The world likes to recognize, applaud. This breaks my heart even in Christian evangelicalism because there's so many people that when you ask them about their faith, they will tell you about what church they're in and what personality they follow. Nick, this is a heartbreaker for us in our culture today. And it should not be that way. Man loves to be admired, recognized, and known. But Jesus' way, Jesus' way, his way is anointed. 
You will walk in humility and brokenness. You will serve. You will love. You will give. And you will be known as a follower of mine. Come on. Paul would even say in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, let others regard us in this manner. We're servants of Christ. Who, who are you? I'm just a servant of Christ. And the word servant was the portrait of an under rower. That was the word that was used. And an under rower in that day were these guys that would get into the lowest part of the ship the dirtiest, smelliest, nastiest part of the ship. No one could see them. They were not recognized. They were not noticed. And here's what they would do. The master, the captain would call the shots and their job being buried in this dirty part of the ship was to row. Row. They were under rowers. They were out of sight. They were not elevated. They were not applauded. Paul goes, when you think of who I am, and this is the same guy writing the book here in this letter to these believers in Ephesus, he goes, refer to us as servants, people willing to get dirty, following the example of Christ. They tried to make him an earthly king. He refused it. Jesus would even say, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. There's one leader. His name is Jesus. He is, and I declare, if you're watching online, there is but one leader, and it's Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the one that has conquered death, hell, and the grave He's been resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. I am a follower of Jesus. I am an under rower. Because we live in this culture that loves to recognize and again applaud. We live in theological culture where people go, well, I'm Calvinist. That is a man. I'm Arminian. That is a man. I am a follower of Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus, the anointed one. I am a student of Jesus. We've been called to imitate and follow him. Listen to me loud and clear. The emphasis of the gospel is not on leadership. The emphasis of the gospel is on followship. You go, does that word exist? It does as of today. Because that's the, biblical, that's the biblical word. Follow Jesus. Serve Jesus. Remember in Mark chapter 1, the scripture says that Jesus came preaching the gospel, the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus said, repent, which means unplug from whatever other sources you're plugged into. Plug into me. Believe me, which means to be persuaded to action. And then he said, repent. Believe and follow me. Follow me. We are called to mimic, to follow, and to imitate Jesus and his life.
We're called to be imitators of God. But as I started thinking through this, it's like, how do we mimic and imitate a leader who never developed an organization? People wanted him to develop an organization, Jesse. They, they thought, hey, we're going to make him an earthly king. We, we've got to establish this earthly reign and rule for him. He goes, I, I'm not going to establish an organization. He even told certain people that were hanging out with him, don't, don't follow me. Even in John 6, he goes, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't even have any part with me. And it says many left, and he was cool with it. Jesus, when you start to study his life, he saw the pinnacle of all of his accomplishments being dying on a cross. Even there, he goes, Father, I've glorified you by accomplishing the work that you've sent me to do. You start to think about this, and you go, how do we mimic that? Because we give our lives away for the sake of the kingdom. How do we mimic that? We serve without needing recognition. We do what we do out of a heart of brokenness and humility and appreciation, not leveraging anything about us. This is crucial. Imitate God. Be followers of Jesus. Jesus said, I always do what pleases the Father. Well, what are you saying? I mimic Abba. He goes on to say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, I just mimic the Father. I hang out with the Father. I seek to reflect the Father. I just do what honors the Father. Again, I came to serve. I, I, I would write this down, and here's the huge premise statement in this whole thing for me as I think through it. As I follow Jesus, I learn to lead myself with the right spiritual disciplines that allows me to serve others. I, I follow Jesus. I press into the Lord. I'm following the Lord. I'm spending time in prayer and worship and communion and fasting through whatever. Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm following you. Then those spiritual disciplines, as I said, word, prayer, fasting, whatever, I'm leading myself that allows me to serve others. It allows me to wash feet. It allows me to be an under rower. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus never told the disciples, read the gospels. He never said, go lead others. Never said that. Jesus said, go make disciples, which implies point others to follow me. Follow, follow, follow. How well are you following the Lord today? Is he the treasure of your life? Is he the object of your affection? Because followers of Jesus who serve others well, they help others do the right thing for the right reason. They're just following. They're pointing. They're bird dogs. Remember when John the Baptist said, I'm just a bird dog. I'm a pointer. I, I, I'm not the one. He's the one. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I must decrease. His ministry's got to increase. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Followers help direct others to Jesus. 
Followers live a life of integrity, high character. They have an inspiring God-style vision that God has birthed in their heart. And they're real and they're fresh. They're not duplicates. They're originators. God's doing something in them and the overflow just leaks out. This is so crucial. Now, here's, here's what I want you to hear. If you're watching online, starting January 6th, this is so crucial for me. Followers, disciple makers, equip others. I'm going to launch a thing here on Wednesday, January 6th, 7 p.m. And for the month of January, I'm going to drive home deep this whole mindset of equip. Remember back in Ephesians 4, he says the pastor teaches to equip the saints to do the work of the service. And so I, I, I just want to spend time equipping you the best that I can, how to study the Bible, how to dive into it. We don't want you living on barred convictions and hand-me-downs. We want you having a fresh experience with God. We want you desiring Abba. So as we start in January, that's where we're going. And I would highly encourage you to be a part of that. Now, here, here's some simple observations I would make on follow the example of Christ. Be imitators of God. Here's what I know about followers. Followers that are disciple makers. Followers that equip others. Followers help others have their own encounter with God. The line in following Jesus is one deep. There's some people that almost proclaim whatever message in such a way that it's almost like they want you to have their encounter with God. If you have my encounter with God, it's not authentic. A true follower will, will come alongside you and desire to see you have your own encounter with God. We want you to experience the Lord. One of the most effective things about Jesus's life when I study him, he's my savior, he's the risen Lord. But Jesus never had this switch into another persona mindset at any given time in his life. If he was in the synagogue, he was the same. If he was walking down the path picking wheat and grain, he was the same. And when the disciples saw him interact with the Father the way he did, no matter where he was, they're like, you got to teach us to pray. you got to help us out. You're interacting with Abba all the time. You don't have like the Sunday persona, and then you go back to being whatever the rest of the week. But you, you've got this uninterrupted intimacy going on. How do we live there? And that's what God wants you to experience. That's the reason Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, I will send the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you've got God with you nonstop. And God wants you to encounter him throughout the day. It's so, so powerful. Here, here's what I, I really do believe. You've got to model what you mandate which means you got to walk what you talk. You got to live what you say. You got to be about what you're talking about. And I want to see you experiencing the fullness of God. I want to see you in the word in the morning. I want to see you pressing in. I want to see you just saturating yourself with worship and the glory of God. There's nothing that can replace that. You, you, you can't point others to what you don't 
have. You can't. God wants you to experience him yourself. Here's another characteristic of a follower. Followers help others discover their unique purpose and identity. We all have got a gap, GAP, gifts, abilities, passions of the heart. But a true follower of Jesus who is leading others toward Christ and making disciples, they desire to see you understand your uniqueness and your identity in Christ. Because followers will help equip others to discover who they were made to be. When people function in their strength and their identity, they will always be more fruitful than those who are seeking to just function in production. When you're trying to be somebody else, God is not really allowed in your heart to call the shots. You you follow me. And when you start to understand your uniqueness and your flavor and your personality that God has given you, that's the reason a few weeks back I said, please do this spiritual gift text, uh, test <clears throat> because we want you to understand how some of your wiring is so that you can say, hey, here, here's how I can be used by the Lord. So Nick, one of the things we desire is a disciple-making culture is to see you understand your purpose and your identity. Here's another one. Followers help others experience transformation, not just production. If the goal of our existence on this planet is spiritual growth and spiritual maturation, then producing fruit will always be the natural overflow of hanging out with Jesus. John 15, as I abide in Christ, the overflow is my life produces fruit. I don't live for God, I live from God. So as I abide, the natural overflow of God being alive in me is gonna be fruit. But for a lot of us, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can create a ministry and create a name and we're living, trying to live for God and living for God don't work. You've gotta to learn to live from him. You are saved unto good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in these good works. So when you learn to abide in Christ and rest in the Lord, and God is doing a work in you, he will lead you and point you in new directions. It's like, man, I I feel so alive in doing this. And and so much of the ministry that I've been involved in over the years, it's like, Lord, I don't even know what to do here. And he goes, that's cool. Because you're not trying to mimic someone else. You're trying to mimic me and allow me to call the shots. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So spiritual maturation and being equipped creates passion in those that follow. Because when you start to experience the goodness of God, you don't want to live in someone else's shadow. You want to live in the uniqueness of what God is doing. And people that have passion that are experiencing the goodness of the the Lord, they will never be satisfied with production or attendance or just showing up. When, When the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, wherever you're at, it it should be a transformed environment. Here, here, Here it is. Followers impact their atmosphere. Here's another bullet point. Intimate followers of Jesus know that Jesus in them will change the temperature and climate of a room that they walk in. 
where there's tension and where there's fear and where there's apathy, a true spirit-filled follower of Christ goes in, and he's not trying to, but there's something about the light of Christ leaking out of him. It just changes the atmosphere. When you get the right person in positions of CEO and head coach and whatever, all of a sudden you go, man, the, the culture changed. Why? Because that person hangs out with Jesus so much and they're pressing in, seeking the heart of God, that when they walk in, the atmosphere changes. It's not about them. I, I don't even know what happened. But the atmosphere just changed. And I, I, I do believe deep down inside that's our desire. You know, I brag on my, my son Jesse, but one of the things about him over the years is when Jesse walks into a room, he can change. And he don't even try to, but it's just the Spirit of God inside of him. And I'm like, you change the temperature of the room when you're in it. Some people are thermometers. You go, oh, they tell you what the temperature is. Some people are thermostats. They change the temperature of the room. And when you're experiencing the goodness of God, people know that when salt and light walk in, it's like, man, that room just changed there. That person's prayed up. Some, something's different here. And, and you do have to ask the question, are you impacting your world, your space, wherever God has you? Or do you just kind of go with the flow and fit in? Because as I'm pressing into the Lord and as I am imitating God and following the example of Jesus, wherever Jesus went, he, he didn't send out like this mass text and have all these newspaper ads taken out in the Jerusalem Post of that day that he was going to be hanging out at Tiberias or Galilee. It's just people started hanging out with him. But he, he was humble. He was gentle. He was meek. And he served, and he took care of people. He took care of people. And the world, as I said last week, is starving for the church to be this church and for people to be salt and light in this world today. Followers that are disciple makers, they equip others, and they help, listen to me, they help people see old things in new ways. They're able to take that which is old and present it as something new. Here's what I've come to realize over the years, even being in church culture and around people, Dave. Most people don't get stuck in their circumstances. They get stuck in their perspective and in their paradigms. We get stuck in our perspective. And oftentimes we'll blame our circumstances, but it's a lack of vision. And our perspective becomes distorted and we're not seeing the way God wants us to see. Repent, change your source. Repent, change the way you're thinking. And as I hang out with the Father, the cool thing is he transforms my thinking. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He changes our thinking. When Jesus came on the scene, he even made this statement at Sermon on the Mount. He goes, you've heard it said. But I say to you, Jesus was able to help people see old things in new ways. He brought deeper teaching and deeper truth and deeper meaning to it. Hey, hey, 
You're, you're stuck in your paradigm. You're stuck in your perspective. And I think helping people see those old things in fresh ways, it's like, ah. Oh. It's like the uh, Emmaus boys. They're like, man, were not our hearts burning within us when he explained the scripture to us? And sometimes just having things explained and like, we've talked about this here. There's a lot of people that can take the simple and make it complicated, but when you're able to take the complicated and put it on the fourth grade shelf and they're like, I understand that. That's why Jesus used so many parables. He would bring this earthly teaching with all this heavenly meaning and he would go, he would put it on the bottom shelf. They're like, oh, that makes sense. Here's something I really do believe. Equippers, followers, they gain a following because of who they are, not because of some position they have. The, the true ministry that we will have will be based on testimony, not title. There's so many people that try to leverage their title as if they're somebody. Your title is not an indicator. Again, man appoints Jesus anoints. And there's so many people that try to leverage title or position as if that's what gives them credibility. A genuine follower of Christ will influence more than they direct. They will inspire more than they instruct. Man, I'm hanging out with Jesus because followers know deep down inside, followers of Christ, imitators of God, be imitators of Christ, be imitators of God. Follow the example of Jesus. Followers know that they're serving someone so much bigger than they are. And followers know that they're serving someone who has a greater agenda than they can ever come up with. It's like, Nick, we're serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're not doing it so that we can be applauded or liked. We're, we're doing it because God has called us to be under rowers, not recognized, not applauded. You see, when God takes you through something, whether it's the addiction or the abuse or whatever of the past, he, he's not doing that so, that so that you will be recognized and applauded. He's doing it to bring you to your knees and break you down with humility where you go, I got to have you. I'm a beggar seeking bread, and you've introduced me to heaven's manna. And God, I will serve, I will serve you wherever you have me. You see, that's the heartbeat of the gospel. I'll serve you wherever you have me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Isaiah, here am I. Just send me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I kind of posed this question a few weeks ago, and I'll close you with this. But who is someone who has influenced and inspired your life to really become a follower, intimate follower of the Lord? When you look back over your journey, for me, I just turned 58 on on Friday, for some of you, you haven't been on the planet as long. Some, you've been on the planet a little bit longer. But it's like, who are the influencers in your journey? Who are the ones that inspired you to press into the Lord? Not the ones who could 
articulate just the statement in a cool way, and you thought, well, that's kind of cool, but I'm talking about inspired you to follow. I was talking to our buddy Luke, who's out in the Seattle area, and I, I was sharing with him, please read, and can I encourage you to do this? I mean, you can buy this book for about five or six bucks, but Max Lakeda's book, God Came Near, is an essential pondering, essential read, especially this time of year. And I've started going back through that. I downloaded it. I read that book in 1986. I've read it again since then, but I bought it and downloaded it on my Kindle the other day. And I'm like, man, I just need to ponder the power that God has come near in the person of Christ. The word has become flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of God in the person of Christ. I'm reading through that again because I just, I don't want to forget the power of the gospel. Max, he inspired me way back. What sets that person apart from other people when you think of them? Here it is, Jimmy. As I follow Jesus, I'm following Jesus. Come follow me. And if you want to hear something trippy, if you go back and study the Greek of that day, if you study the language of that day, when Jesus said, come, Blake, and follow me, Come, Michael, and follow me. The word follow me meant I believe in you. And and I believe you've got what it takes to be just like me. When Jesus invites us to follow him, Dallas, he's like, I believe in you. Man, I believe in you. Russell, you can be like me. Come and follow me. Come and hang with me. Come and abide with me. Just come. And follow me. And he picked these disciples from a variety of areas, right? I mean, some of them were fishermen, tax collectors, whatever. Hey, hey, follow me and hang out with me. So we will follow Jesus. We will learn to develop spiritual disciplines of pressing into the Lord. Word, prayer, fellowship, communion, giving, serving. All these things are spiritual disciplines which allow us to serve others. So Julie Blair, thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for being an under rower. My days in the previous ministry had unlimited potential. I started there in 1989 when I moved to Georgia. You have been my sidekick for 25 years in ministry for Barb and I. And what you do behind the scenes, what you do that makes us better, that's even not noticed, you're faithful, you're loyal, you're dependable. I can't do a lot of what I do without your help. I love you. You've been such a good friend to me. Julie's been on staff with me since I got here. I was like, Julie, I think I'm going to pastor a local church. You want to come with me? And she goes, yep. I'm like, are you sure? 
you know what you're dealing with. And I would be lost without Barb and without Julie. I really would. But you have modeled what a servant's heart is, girl. I encourage you to surrender, repent, follow Jesus, imitate the Father, press in. Therefore, imitate God. Mimic God. We use that word mimic in such a negative context in our culture. Don't you mimic me, but the word is mimic God. Study God. Know his character. Follow him. You don't have to boast and you don't have to brag. Just follow and serve. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.